I will be reading the scripture reading this morning. The first passage is from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he preached good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance on our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The second reading will be from James 5, 7 through 11. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Good morning. A young man who was a Christian went to an older believer to ask for prayer. He says, will you please please pray that I may be more patient? The aging saint agreed, and they knelt together, and he began to pray, Lord, send this young man tribulation in the morning. Send this young man tribulation in the afternoon. Send this man, and then at that point, the young Christian blurted out, no, no, I didn't ask you to pray for tribulation. I wanted you to pray for patience. Ah, responded the wise Christian, It's through tribulation that we learn patience. Now, I think we've all known that and heard that before, but uh, one of the things that seems to not go together is patience and trials. And we don't want them to go together because it's really hard to go through difficult times. We've known how difficult and how challenging times can be in a way that we never expected five years ago. But over the last three years, we've had to stretch our faith and grow in our patience and in our trust in God. There's a couple of other things that I want to point out that seem don't seem to go together. And so we're going to spend the morning talking a little bit about uh, the message, talking about how Uh, standing firm is not what we often think it to be. Standing firm is like asking for patience. It, It doesn't, it's only through the situation that challenges us to a greater point of growth. Standing firm is the challenge that we have in a culture and in a, a surrounding, in a world that is valuing selfishness and war and you know getting what you want to get and it's a real struggle 
Um, but you'll notice that in this passage that was read, it says in verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm. Now, how are you going to stand firm and be patient unless you have something to stand firm against and you have something to stand firm for? So let's just look at some synonyms. And I'm going to list a number of them. There are many, many more. But interestingly, one of the synonyms to standing is the word sit. Now, how does that go together? You stand firm by sitting. Wait a minute. That reminds me of my dad saying, straighten up, settle down. And I would be like, well, which is it? Well, they go together. Doesn't make sense. To sit, to remain, to wait, to bear, to reside, to stay, to station, dwell, post, tarry, tolerate, endure, to take, to handle, to sustain. And here's a few that are I especially start to abide, to support, to stand. For Standing firm means that you're standing for something. And here's another one. Stand firm, but go. How is go a synonym for standing firm? Because we understand that God has something different in mind for his people. That we live in the expectation of hope. We live in this, in this caught between the culture of the kingdom of heaven and the culture of this world. And we're to stand firm for the kingdom of heaven, but we're not taught to just settle down and to just do nothing. So waiting and this, this brick of expectation this morning is yes, we're longing for, we're hoping for, but in the meantime, we will stand for the one who calls us to serve and calls us to be active. And so uh, we, we also want to look at, so here's the antonym, the opposite of standing firm. Refuse to fight, to reject, to oppose, to resist, to dismiss, to avoid, to repudiate, to decline. In other words, um, standing firm has to do with the clarity of of our faith and, and what we believe it is about. And if our faith is, is good at all, it's something that we will tell others about and give testimony of that. In Psalm 71, there's this passage 14 to 18 that says, um, that says, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. This is before the Messiah has come. But I will, in the meantime, I will stand firm, but I will speak. I will speak that out. And so when James talks about uh, this, this standing firm in patience, uh, he also says, don't grumble against one another. And, and we'll get to that in a bit. But let's look at a few other passages in Scripture 
that clearly challenge us in regarding standing firm. And you'll notice that all but one of these is from the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul was, it was very important for him to help the churches that he had started, he had planted, and he, he was concerned about their ability in all of the challenges around them. There were all kinds of religious act, uh, ideas and, and all kinds of religions that were vying for importance over the Christian faith. You think about Ephesus, you think about Corinth, you have all kinds of challenges to what Jesus was saying. And his primary concern for these congregations over and over and over again was stand firm in the faith. And let's look at a few of these. Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Two verses later, he repeats it again. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. This is his third time he's saying, stand. In, in uh, First Peter, uh, this is Peter's uh, uh, adding on to that. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. In Philippians, Paul says again, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together is not just being passive and dormant. It's being active and taking the gospel forth. Um, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, uh, Paul says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. And, uh, and so and, and again in Philippians 4, 1, Therefore, beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Uh, and in Second Corinthians, Paul says, not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Okay, so we get the picture, right? Paul is saying there's nothing more important than you, than after you receiving Christ, you then stand firm in the faith. There are all kinds of ideas, all kinds of, of hybrids of the gospel. Uh, there's all kinds of ways of watering it down or, or jiffying it up or, or making, you know, making it what we want it to be or uh, turning our faith and, and our understanding of Christ into what we want it to, to be and to shape it around what, how we want to live. And Paul is consistently in these different settings challenging them, stay close to the one who freed you and will be coming again and will be coming to, to restore you. Um, and so it's, it's a pretty significant challenge in all of these scriptures uh, for us to stand firm. 
One other one was in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, where Paul said, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And so what, what is very clear is that it is God who empowers that ability, that message for us. George Mueller said it this way. He said, to learn strong faith is to endure great trials. I have learned my faith by standing firm amidst severe testings. And Francine Rivers said, stand firm in the Lord, stand firm and let him fight your battle. Do not try to fight it alone. So boldly standing in patience is to be active while we wait. It is not being idle or, in, or, or passive. It is about acknowledging our dependency on the power and faithfulness of God. Making use of our time by proclaiming what God has done and is doing right now. In other words, and I checked this, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I looked at it a few different times to look up whether or not this is even a word. Forthtelling. You are called to be forthtellers. We are all called in Christ to be forthtellers. What is a forthteller? Now, there's, it's different from, from foretelling. But a forthteller is, is this. To make public or to publish. In other words, or to publish abroad. To tell forth something that has happened or something that is an insight or something that is helpful or redeeming. Paul gives great guidance in his writings about encouraging. You know, the only thing that matters is that we're working at encouraging others in the faith and strengthening others. And consistently he gives that counsel. So how are we forthtellers? Now, we're called to testify, to speak and serve as evidence or proof of something's existing or being the case. We're called to speak seriously about something and to give testimony to the, the, the truth of something. Um, and so this passage that was read this morning says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. If I say to you, tell me something that, what's the word that comes to mind for something that you look at and you just go, now that is standing firm. Anybody? I'll tell you one. When I look at a bison, and I look at a bison standing here, and I, I've loved it, I, I, I would just say, um, speaking of expectation, to all of those video clips of people who go up and get in the face of a bison, I want to ask them one question. What did you expect? <laughs> um, when they get tossed 10 feet in the air uh, um, or go running for their life, 
or get trampled. What were you thinking? But anyway, that's, I digress here, the side trail. When you look at a bison, when you look at a full a full-grown elephant and look at their massiveness and you think, now that is, that is solid. That is standing firm. When you look at a mature oak tree, um, like you'll notice whenever you shop for trees, which I'm sure all of you do uh, as much as I do. Uh, maybe not quite as much, but when you shop for trees, what do they show you? Some spindly little scrawny five-footer that's there? No, they show you a big, mature, oh, this is what it's going to look like if you live to be 120. <laughs> Notice he, they use the imagery in this psalm, uh, David does, of, of this imagery of uh, an oak tree, a mature oak tree, an oaks of righteousness that you stand firm but you also speak volumes to everyone who looks upon it you you grow and you stand and you become a beacon for the cause of Christ so uh, it would be crazy don't you think if we were to um have us a theme, because the worship theme this morning says, tell what you have heard and seen. So I don't know what you've heard and seen, but, but it would be crazy for us to not offer an opportunity for the people of God to share a testimony, a word, an experience. How has God spoken to you? How has God worked in you? And I think we have... Uh, mics that are going to be available. So if you would just get get ready, lift up your hand. And, and so here's an example of saying, stand firm, but speak forth. That combination of saying, God did something in my life, and if it meant anything, it's worth telling to somebody else. Now, maybe you've had a recent experience where you saw God at work. Maybe it's a recent challenge that you've had. Maybe it's a frustration or a struggle that you're still dealing with and you're wanting and expecting and, and hoping, hoping that God will come. At the same time, we're ready to give testimony. We're ready to testify that yet still I will look to the Lord for that guidance and for that direction and for that answer. And here's the other thing that I think we miss. When we share in this context as a community of faith, it binds our hearts together closer. It opens us up to be vulnerable and to be open to the counsel and direction and prayers and support of the rest of the body. And uh, it also may be speaking into it. So whoever shares this morning you have no idea how the Holy Spirit is going to take what you share and translate it into someone else's heart and mind for something that they need here and now. And only the Holy Spirit knows that work. But we still give testimony. We testify. We forth tell. 
what God has been doing or is doing or what we expect he's going to be doing. So who would like to start this morning and share share a word that God has laid on your heart to share? So I'm Connor, and the word that's on my heart right now is repent. Repent of pornography, alcoholism, drugs, temptations, whatever sins you're dealing with, repent. It's the greatest thing you can do. Repent, and you'll realize how much more joy you'll have in your heart when you pursue God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. No, it will not be easy. It will be hard. You'll be like, what is going on? But you'll be so glad that you're not where you are, where you were. I've experienced that in the last, not even two years. I never said what my problems were, but it was um, nine years of lust and pornography and cheating, and I'm almost two years free from that. It's the best thing that's ever happened. Please repent and turn back to God this Christmas and remember who he is, who he said he is, and put your faith, hope, and love in him today. You are not given tomorrow. Please put your faith, hope, and love in God today. Thank you, Connor. Very vulnerable to share, and but forthtelling, forthtelling what God has done, and what God's desire is is to free us from the bondages of thinking in terms of this world, and and thinking in terms of the darkness and the perspective of hopelessness that we have. Thank you, thank you very much. This is Joe Cross. When you mentioned the towering oak it brought to mind a a big pear tree in our neighborhood and this past summer I noticed that some of the branches are dying and so I looked at it closer and there's a ton of sucker branches that are sapping the strength from the main branches that are growing What am I allowing in my life that's a sucker branch that needs to be trimmed out because it's destroying what God really wants me to do? What a great word. Thanks, Joe. It's it's awesome. This is Bob. I got a verse here that I, I really cling to and like a lot. It's first Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so everybody who does a ministry through the church or to the families of God, this has lasting effect and it, it goes for generations and generations. So again, along with what you said about stand firm. I think that's, don't let anything move you. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. Excellent word. Over here on this side. And here in the back over here. So my name is Mickey Reese, and uh, uh, the, I'm a softball coach. And, the, and a shepherd. And a shepherd. 
And the girls that uh, I've coached heard this story over, and they're going to go, oh, coach, okay. Um, I wrestled in high school, and it meant a lot more to me later on in life than when I was actually wrestling. When I would be over there, and uh, my, my senior year, I, I was pretty good. And I would be over there, and I would be looking at that gentleman across the, the wrestling mat, warming up. And you would be looking at him, and you would say, you know, he only has two losses, but, but he's lost. He's lost. You know, he, he doesn't look that strong. He, he doesn't. Oh. He's, he's not that fast. I told the youth group this story. By the time I went out there to face that opponent, I was so confident. When I wouldn't do that, I would barely win or I'd, I would lose. So you take this into your Christian life. If you make that change... You have to be confident. You have to tell yourself, this hurdles. I can do it. I'm able to get myself through. This Christmas, I have some hurdles. But I tell you what, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, that's not that big. I can do that. So, thank you. First that comes to mind is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is the verse that came to my mind as you were sharing, Mick. Yeah, I think just the, the confidence, the confidence that no matter what is there, you're you're basically talking yourself into a reminder that that I have strength that God gives me to be able to confront whatever that battle is. Thank you. Over here. My name is uh, Keith Pascalone, and, uh, you know, many years ago, uh, most of you know, I got saved in the, uh, in the county jail waiting to go to prison. And uh, one of the things that happens when you get saved, you come to know Christ, is that that gift is so incredible, you especially want your family members to experience it. And uh, this is kind of a little word for people who right now are struggling with a family member. You know, you're trying to be that faithful witness. You're trying to share the love of Christ with them, but they're kind of resisting or they're kind of struggling. I've been praying for my brother for years and years because basically a tragedy happened to him and his family a a long time ago. And I know that's, that's caused him to battle a lot. But, you know, I've been praying for him. About three weeks ago, he calls me, which he doesn't call me very often. I usually call him. And he's all excited, and he's talking about the Lord. And we've been talking more the past three weeks than we probably talked on the phone for, you know, the past three years. Because he's allowing God to work in his heart right now. He's allowing God to change him. He's He clearly admitted to me that, hey, I've just not... I received Christ, but I have not depended on him like I should. I have not 
allowed him to help me in my life like I should, and I'm just tired of the pain. And he said, I'm going to start depending on Jesus. I'm going to let him help me because I know he can. And he shared clearly with me that, that he was thankful that I was trying to set an example for him and that he knows I've been praying for him for years. And he just thanked me for being there for him as his brother and his brother in Christ. And I've just been truly blessed by this in the past three weeks. So I wanted to share that with all of you just to give you a little ray of hope. God is working. People can see Christ working in you. And if you're struggling with a family member or you're hurting for a family member, he's working on them. So just keep praying and keep hoping. Praise be to God. Thank you, Keith. It's a great, a great example of, of standing firm and let God do the speaking. Sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't know how to, to, to heal something. We don't know what we're supposed to do as if somehow it depends on us, but, but we struggle with that. And to recognize that sometimes the standing firm and being consistent in our faith is what is the speaking the loudest to those that are watching and, and, and your brother's testimony of the importance of that in his life and, and leading up to this decision and new, new direction for him. Um, it's in the Lord's timing to work on people's hearts in that way, but it's so important that in the meantime, we are standing firm. So, yeah. Someone else over here? So I'm Julie. Um, I think it's important for us to remember, too, that part of standing firm is continuing to invite God to change us. Um, one of the verses I try to start each day with, or scriptures, is Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Because I'm not going to stand firm if there's something that needs transforming in me. And we all are, should be on that path of sanctification. Thank you, Julie. It's a good word. Anyone else this morning? We're called the fourth tell. We're called to stand and yet be clear about what we're standing for. We're called to be the people of God. Um, it's, it's interesting to me to look at, at so many uh, different ways of understanding. And we have to identify that at its root, we still want to kind of be in control. We want to know when God's going to come and when he's going to work and when he's going to make a change. And we want to see it in our time and in our way. And we don't always know that. And so sometimes the call of faith is recognizing that just because we don't see it, God is still at work. Be confronted by that question. Did God stop working? God will start working when I see it, when I get what I'm praying for. God will start working when it all comes out the way I expected or when it the... The, all of my efforts become very effective and, and I see it and, and have some sense of knowing for sure rather than seeing our forthtelling as releasing 
faithfulness and righteousness into the world. What you've just done in these last few minutes collectively for those that spoke and you who have listened is you have joined in a foretelling and an encouragement to say standing firm is our message. Naming Christ as our savior is our message. And so on the one hand, we do in difficult struggles have an expectation of the coming, but as believers, we know that Christ is here with us now, even when the circumstances or situations of this world or this life aren't where we want them to be. Can God give us peace now and strength now and entrust the message that you speak verbally or speak with your example or speak like a mighty oak just standing there? Any other imagery that comes to mind to just look at that and say, standing for God is speaking a very clear message. God is still at work. God never stopped working. And God's work is not done. You know, we, we uh, I had to think of, uh, we often get farmer's updates at the men's breakfast on Tuesday mornings. Uh, <laughs> And sometimes there isn't much to report. But it struck, struck me again as we've been talking about it this fall of how a farmer waits. You do your work, you plant, but there's only so much you can do and God has to do the rest. And that, that's why that, that is such a good example of of faith, of discerning between how I can do the the work and prepare and everything, but the weather and the timing and all of that is in God's hands. And that is an important ability to release the outcome and to be able to let it go. We're out of time, but I I just want to say... we do need to return more to the world, to the word. Um, far too many lives have gone uh, into a holding pattern. And that's one of the devastations of the last few years. Talking to a pastor uh, last evening that got into church planting and is working at a church, with a church in Louisville. And again, just agreeing with each other that the story of the last few years is that, the, that everything around us is causing the church to, to be timid, is causing the church to hold back, is causing the people of God to hesitate, to not be sure, is causing the people of God to question and be divisive and grumble against each other, is causing us to divide and lose our focus on the one who is our Savior and our hope for the future, and our hope right now. And we are called as a church, we're called as individual believers to stand firm. And you can apply any issue, 
any new challenge, any new tribulation, any new kind of, uh, of challenge and trial. And, and Doug talked about, about and we, we hate to hear, we don't even want it announced that there's some recurrence of viruses going around. We don't want to hear it. Well, let's hear this more than that. Jesus Christ gives us victory over it all. And if we hold on to that as a people together and in our homes and in our relationships, if we hold on to that, we will live with an expectation that stands firm and speaks loudly to those around us. May we hold that as our vision. F.B. Meyer wrote about uh, two Germans who wanted to climb the Matterhorn. They hired three guides, and they began their ascent at the steepest and most slippery part. The men roped themselves together in order. Guide, traveler, guide, traveler, guide. Once you know, suddenly on the way up, the last man lost his footing and he was held up temporarily by the other four because each had a toehold in the niches that they had cut in the ice. A toehold, just a toehold. But then the next man slipped and he pulled down the two above him. The only one to stand firm was the guide who, uh, who had driven a spike deep into the ice and because he held his ground all of them ended up being saved. And we are to drive our, the stake of our hearts and our minds deep into the, that of Christ and to make Christ our anchor and to be able to stand firm. And uh, just one other passage I'll close with is from Mark 16. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, meaning that we're going to teach each other and encourage each other. Instead of grumbling, we're going to proclaim and foretell of the expectation of the ultimate healing through Christ, but the salvation and the joy and the experience of now, right now. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. May we be overcomers and victorious, and may we not shy away from foretelling. And so we're going to sing this closing song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Uh, listen to the words and live the words. Amen.